Welcome to Commas. Commas is all things tech. The culture and technology coming together. Life hacks. The practicality right now in the inefficiency of the internet of buying and selling stuff is extraordinary. Entrepreneurship advice. I think the first thing is you got to understand your business inside out. Love and tech. We've almost reduced dating to kind of this very momentary snap of a person. It's going to be a fire show. I have yet to see something these days that's truly differentiated. New advice and new inspiration every show. It surely is about the next generation of creators going faster, further than we did. And now, Sequoia Blodgett. Now let's start stacking them commas. On this episode, we've got special guest Savitra Wilson, who's going to give us the bootstrapping game. And the digital dating guy is Entrepreneurship advice. <laughs> Learn from the hottest and most successful investors, founders, and innovators in the game. Determine your greatness. It's time to get your knowledge up. Okay, okay, for sure, for sure. What's poppin'? We've got a special guest on the phone, Savitra Wilson, founder of Resilia. How are you, Savitra? I'm doing great. How are you? I am so good. So before we jump into everything great about you, because, girl, you got some dope stuff going on. I want to talk about your company. Tell us a little bit about what Resilia does. Yeah, so Resilia, essentially, we, as we say, we are a technology platform, SaaS business model that helps organizations, so things like nonprofit organizations, any type of organizations that employ people, scale their organizational impact, and then we also work with enterprises that deploy capital. So think cities, private foundations, and corporations. Our software does all the management, all the compliance, for these organizations and essentially productize ourselves and consultancy services and deliver it through a software platform. Amazing. Now tell me again, like I'm five years old. <laughs> yes. Yes. So say you have, uh, you work for Coca-Cola and you give out, I don't know, anywhere between five, 10, 20 plus million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And so we essentially provide software solutions for large enterprises such as uh, Coca-Cola or even cities to manage how they give that money, who they give it to, and the oversight and data around that giving so that they can increase the impact and return on investment Got uh, of it. their guests. Got so it. that's one way to simplify it. And so that's our largest um, product to date. And we also have a premium subscription for smaller nonprofit organizations, mid to large size. Love it. And you were recently able to raise $2 million around this company, but it took a little bit more than just you going out. Cause I think a lot of people don't understand the ecosystem of venture capital. They think, okay, mm-hmm. I've got this great idea. I'm going to, you know, create a minimum viable product and I'm going to go out and I'm going to raise this money. That's not actually what happened. <laughs> so tell no, me your story. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, you know, I didn't come from, the tech world, like that was something that I felt I had the opportunity to expand upon the work that I was doing and infuse technology around it to deliver the service faster. But I came from a professional services background, you know, the way you build professional services companies, you bootstrap them, it's consultancy, so it's not capital intensive. Mm -hmm. And so I had built a company before, but one of our product lines, which is very human um, intensive. So it required a lot of people to do the work. And so the, the output just wasn't worth it. Mm. But I felt like there was opportunity to productize the work that we were doing and deliver it through a SaaS solution, which is how Resilia came to life. And so I, you know, my had my head down, I'm working on this product, you know, building out a team. And then I was like, okay, we got some 
direction. You know, we're making some money. We got like a bomb team. And I believe we have product market fit enough, a large enough opportunity that now is the right time to go out and raise capital. Mm -hmm. And from there, I just got, I was in for a rude awakening. (laughs) Uh, A rude awakening. It was like, oh, who are you? Who are you back at? Okay, go sit down over there. So I was like, oh, okay, let me take a couple steps back and analyze the situation because I was like, why is it this hard? Mm. You know, and I think like a lot of founders like, man, like this is not what I expected. And for me, it wasn't what I expected. And you see all the headlines. I mean, I know you write some hey, headlines. Listen. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. But when you're in it, you're like, man, like what you're writing is true. And like you feel at a different level. You really do. Yeah. What was the biggest struggle for you once you found out like, OK, I'm going to go raise this capital when you started to interact with investors? What was that like for you? You know, we talk about the numbers around like black women and women in general, but at those two things working against me and I'm based in the South. Mm-hmm. Right. And so no one knew who I was. And what I realized is that a lot of raising capital is not only, Oh, do you have a product people are interested in, but a lot of it is relationship based yep. to even get to the table, <laughs> you know, yep. to have a conversation about what you're even building. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the relationships in the venture world and for me, it was like, literally, although I had built this other company, it didn't even matter. How did you break through? Oh, you know. <laughs> she was like, oh, I got to go back there. I don't want to go back there. like, exhale on the type of conversation. <laughs> and so I honestly, I began, I had to take a step back. I said, okay, these, I need to connect some dots first. I need to venture out. I need to reconnect with like some founders I met along the way, let them know this is what I'm trying to do help for, so they can help me um, get introductions, make introductions for me. You know, I went out to conferences to meet people um, just like for, I said, well, I went to a conference to meet like two people, right? Wow. Like flew out. And so that's how just motivated and determined I was. And like someone told me recently, they're like, I know, your journey is interesting. I've talked to other founders like here where I'm based in New Orleans and they're like, you're going to make it regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, huh, you probably right. (laughs) Yeah. You have that hustle. Yeah. You definitely have that hustle. When I ran into you at the airport, I I was half dead. I was half dead, but I heard you. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) That was like the beginning of the hustle. I'm 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 trying to go out here. In fact, I think I was going to a conference then. You were. You were, um, I remember. Yep, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to go out here and this money. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, girl, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I yes, need to take this like, nap. <laughs> I know. You were looking like, yes, I'm about to go to sleep. And I already know because you were at Mardi Gras. I already know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your background because you're from New Orleans. You were the First black mm-hmm. female to raise $2 million out of the city, which is incredible. What, is, what was your background like growing up? So I came from, my mother is from New Orleans. My uh, dad is from a super small rural city called Hammond. And I kind of grew up between both cities. And for me, I definitely, I was raised in a very close-knit family but a huge family mm-hmm. um, but you know first generation college student mostly came from a rural area 
uh, of the South. And so when you want to, you know, you talk about going off to school, you want to be very traditional things, right? So a teacher or a doctor, a lawyer. And so like the world is not as big as it is today to me. It was like very small. And for me, lost my dad at a super young age. And so I went to college and because my mom, I just watched her just like struggle, just trying to make a living for my brother and sisters and I. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm about to get out here and I'm about to do it. I'm about to put my head down. I'm going to grind so I can provide like this better life for my mother. So that was like my motivator all throughout college. Mm. And then when I graduated college the same year, my mother was diagnosed with cancer and she died the same year, four days before Christmas. Wow. And so that kind of reset my entire life, honestly. Mm, that's insane. What, so how did you get past that? Because that's two very significant people in your life. Yes, yes. And, you know, for me, and this is probably maybe true to a lot of people, I think like when you have tragic things happen in your life, two things can happen to you. Either is going to like paralyze you and in many ways create this spiral destruction around you are you're going to just get it together and like push through it. And for me, like I pushed through it through work. Mm. And the year after my mother passed away, I started my first company, Solid Ground Innovation. And so that is what kind of pushed me into the entrepreneurial world. Would you say that, so did you ever deal with that? Because I know, I mean, even in my case, like I can work myself into a tizzy, like I can mm-hmm. work 24 seven and I'm good. <laughs> like, would yes. you say you ever took a, a break in time to actually deal with the grieving? You know, it wasn't until a close friend of mine, um, Renisha, she lost her mother a few years after I lost mine and very sudden, um, similar to myself, even more sudden than my uh, mother passing. And a few, maybe a year after that, she started seeking um, therapy. And mm-hmm. she reached out to me. She was like, I really think you should go and see a therapist. Mm. So I was like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> she was like, no, like, I really think you should go see a therapist because it's like life changing. Yeah. And so, you know, work is crazy. All these crazy things, you know, men issues. And I'm like, I said, yeah, I'm going to go see therapist yeah and I did and she was right it was like life-changing and I feel like that was the first time I was able to like really like breathe that's what I was gonna say what did it do for you like once you went to that because I know a lot of founders like there's so much weight on our shoulders just to be like the perfect presentation of what our company represents so what do you think that that therapy did for you girl when I went to see my therapist the first day the first evening I promise you, probably after three minutes, I was just like, I just broke out crying. <laughs> you were like, like and release. <laughs> I was like, who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> All of it came out. All of it came out. And I was like, who is this person? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, snap out of this. But yeah. I think I just had been like holding it for so long. It's like, oh, I think we just like built to be these super tough uh, women and like you're supposed to power through and you just take care of business and you just do what you are supposed to do. Right. And so for me, I think it was just like carrying like all the weight mm-hmm. um, of the world. That's what it felt like. And so I think it was the first time where I just got to like be able to release that and not be judged and just be able to find like, Oh, like this person is trying to help me sincerely trying to help me. I feel that. I mean, I think us as black women, especially, I mean, shoot black men, 
too. Like, therapy is so important. Like, mm-hmm. you don't even understand how important it is to, like you said, you sat down in there and you were like, everything's coming out right now. Because otherwise, yes. you're internalizing everything and then you're trying to solve your own problems. And it's like, you can't solve the problem that you have, right? Have you ever noticed you can solve other people's problems, but you can't solve your own problems? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's because they're your problems. So it's like, how can I solve for what I don't even know how to solve for? So Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. So what are some things that you took away from those sessions? And are you still continuing them now? Yeah, so I need to like, I used to go faithfully like once a week. And I need to get back into like that rhythm, you know, how life can get with work and traveling. And I need to get back in that rhythm. But now, you know, I definitely have taken on like meditation and started doing like other things um, to cope through some of the craziness happening in, in my world. But for the most part, for me, taking away the ability that one is going to be okay. Right. Right. (laughs) It's going to be okay. Like if it's something doesn't get done, the world is not going to end. Like you're going to be okay. I love that. I love that because we think it is. (laughs) We're like, no. (laughs) Yeah. And it just kind of reminded me something that my mom always told me. And she was like, just never let your highs get so high you can't see the ground Mm. or your lows so low you can't see the heavens. And so it just kind of reminded me of like, I just need to have like that balance and that like that even space. Right. So what was your process or how has your process been growing your company? It's been a whirlwind, honestly. Hmm. Uh, so when we were, and so like I always tell like my investors this, I was like, I need for you guys to help me like build a ten million plus twenty, thirty, hundred plus company, right? Mm-hmm. And for us, when our our investors are checking, like, oh, you're doing you're doing S and you you have you know six X growth, and we're like, yeah, but I was like, uh. Yeah, because I've actually grown a company to this this number before, so I know a couple of things. Here. So don't be so surprised. I know you're not used to the person on the other side looking like me, but we know how to do this too. <laughs> like, don't look so surprised. <laughs> but it has been uh, interesting in that way because I didn't come from the tech world, but I know I've always been good at building teams mm, okay. um, of like these capable people and executing, executing upon a vision and being able to just really dive into solutions around like problems, right? And so I can solve problems, that's for sure. And so for me, building a company and a tech company on top of that, it's been a lot different than my first company. <laughs> um, it's been a learning lesson and not only just like being able to create a space where you can scale, but also try to keep everything together while, while doing it. Mm. Um, it's also been a lesson in like not pulling yourself in so many different directions. Right. And like stressing yourself so thin along the way. And, you know, like, even though I've built a lot of great teams, like I, I've hired, I just, I just uh, read a tweet by Jason Lincoln. He was like, across your uh, startup career, you're going to make one of three uh, horrible VP hires. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I got me one. You know, so it's like, it's been a lot of that where, where you're like, yeah, I thought you were going to come here and help me do this and this. And it's like, 
sometimes you got to just trust yourself. Yeah. Right. I think we try to like hire out people to like, tell the company, like, trust yourself. Yeah. Intuition is huge, especially when yeah. you're building a company because you don't know. Right. I mean, this mm-hmm. is your second go round, but there's still things that you're learning throughout the process. So yes. trusting your gut is a huge inclination yeah. as to what type of decisions you should be making. So, so you need more moving parts. man. It's just like it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, tell us the difference between what you feel the differences are between from your first and second company. Well, you know, for me, we were a true agency setting and professional services. And so for a lot of the work that we were doing, um, it was around consultancy, advertising, marketing, things that I had done, right? That's what I went to school for. That's what I, you know, started my journey in. And so I was, it's very second nature to me. Um, building a tech company, one thing I had to like, do reevaluate was ensuring that we were hiring the right people to uh, build out our software and our technology. And so I don't code. So, <laughs> You're like, so you that's know, somebody we need. <laughs> yeah, so definitely to have people that I trust who are building out the vision and executing upon that. But then also the numbers, right? So we started when I, you know, hired my first person, we made some more money. We hired a second person, the third, fourth, fifth. And so we just bootstrapped it one by one. And it wasn't this idea like you're building out these essentially like these departments and these VPs who are people underneath them. And then it wasn't, it wasn't all that. It, we were like a close-knit family building our company out. And it, it was definitely, for me, um, you know, this journey that was a lot slower, but it was all like mission driven around work that I had been in and that I wasn't necessarily new to, although I was new to gaining the capabilities of what I was doing. I love that you explain that because a lot of people don't know that transition from being a founder to a leader, right? So yeah. you start as a founder and you're like, I'm doing everything. Nobody touch anything. I got this. Yes. <laughs> then all of a sudden you're like, I'm doing nothing. Everybody touch everything. <laughs> I, yes. I have none of this. <laughs> like, yes. You know how to do that. You know how to do that. You know how to do that. I'll go raise money. <laughs> like That's it. Exactly. And um, then when you can't do that, you're like, what did I hire you for? Like, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're going to tell me what I need to do. Then, right. 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 That's your job. I'm paying you a check exactly. every two weeks. Oh exactly. my goodness, I love it. Definitely a different, a different mindset. <laughs> right. So tell us about your book, Solid Ground. Yes. So I wrote Solid Ground primarily because I started just receiving an influx of just messages like DMs, LinkedIn messages, emails, not asking me about how I raise money. I was like, in those two, it was about how I started my first company. Mm. And I really like that because the reality is the majority of us aren't going to raise venture money. Check. And so we need to figure out how, and we could build companies. Like the, the black millionaires that I knew weren't in technology or they didn't raise venture capital. They bootstrapped a company. They were in government. They got all these lucrative government contracts mm-hmm. and they made bank, you know? Yep. And so I think that technology sometimes can be like super sexy and that's what people want to get in. People don't realize, like, it's so capital intensive. Yes. technology. Yes. <laughs> and people are like, hey, I have this idea. How do I raise money? Let's take a step back. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you don't. You don't do that right now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you probably can get this off the ground, but you got to figure out how to get it off the ground without raising money. Um, and so that's one thing that I feel that I'm kind of like in the middle between 
um, related to like just pushing like all tech, which I am definitely a believer that, you know, technology is going to disrupt everything it already is, mm-hmm. every sector. Um, but it's like, let me tell y'all about this money over here. Listen, <laughs> why do you think Kamas just had the nice little pivot we did? Because I'm like, wait a minute, friends. <laughs> Let's talk about one thing right now. There are companies that are technology or tech-enabled companies that aren't necessarily capital-intensive that you can still build upon. They're in Mm e-commerce, their marketplaces, (laughs) their SaaS, and their mobile apps, okay? Like, let's get this bag. (laughs) Yes. That's where I'm at. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So, let's find them. We got a couple of different ways to get here. Let's get you. Right, right. I'll do something diversified. Right. I mean, we, we can scale that, trust. Yes. (laughs) So for the founders who are going that direction and who are bootstrapping like you did, can you give us some tips on how you went through that process and how you were able to continue to grow and scale your business? Yeah. And so, you know, when my company, Professional Services, similar to how I talked about having relationships and networks to raise capital on the contracting side, it's it's also relationship-based. Right. And so I also people like you can build something inside of I've never been um, a consumer uh, business person. That's just I like contracts. I like recurring revenue. That's like my thing. And so for me, a lot of that is like you got to go out and you're building relationships, you're closing contracts, you're going to people who can make the right decisions. And a lot of times like we spend so much time talking to people who aren't the decision makers. Mm. You know, we go to wine and dining people that can't sign off on anything. Um, and so, <laughs> Give me my chicken back. <laughs> yeah, it's like do some research, you know, put yourself in a position in the places where you can meet people who can help you move the needle because sometimes, a lot of times, you're going to need people to open doors for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that is true to a connection. But I came from a smaller city where nobody, I didn't have nobody last name, nobody knew my mama, daddy, and I had to, like, literally get it out of the dirt. And right. so for people who's like, oh, well, you know, I don't have my chance, I was like, but you can get them because people respect smart people. Yep. And, you know, I think that people will invest in you, but they're going to return on their investment at some point, and that's, like, you doing what you said you are going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think that we have opportunity. Like, I came, I did a line like government contracting my first company, and I always tell people, I always try to get people in that mindset. Um, and like, you know, Janet, she built Act One primarily on relationship-based contracting, government contracting. Like, that's how she built her billion-dollar company. Mm. And I feel like when you talk about Marion Barry in D.C. and all these mayors, when the number one, the largest opportunity base for black people in the country where other black people have the largest contracting ability is in government. Mm. They're, they're the people making purchasing decisions inside of cities. And it's the largest opportunity for black companies to get really, really big. And I learned that ironically at a black enterprise conference um, where Nicole Parker was talking about how she got into government contracting. And I was listening to her. I was like, huh. I'm about to go out here. I'm about to go figure this out. And I did. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tell us a little bit more about it. Cause I know, I feel like that's a sector or a space that like a lot of our people just are totally looped out of. So tell us more about how you even went about that process. Yeah. And so one of the things I talk about in solid ground is 
getting to know officials around you. And um, Janice actually talked about this too. And like one of her interviews, she talked about how she was like, oh, you should go meet this legislature, this congressperson. And they were like, yeah, we have some opportunities, right? And so because they have signing authority on a lot of things, they can put you in front of people who can do business with you. And so for me, I started meeting with like my local officials, right, who technically I'm your constituent. I'm one of your voters. Mm-hmm. And so they have office hours. They didn't know me from anybody out of anywhere, but I came visiting with them. I went to my uh, statewide economic development office, which every state has, met with a small business uh, director and said, like, this is what I'm trying to do. And he was like, oh, well, you know, very few people even come meet with me. I just sit here and I, you know, incentivize and do this and do that. And oftentimes a lot of black um, business people don't know the resources are there mm-hmm. inside of their state uh, economic development departments. And not only are you building relationships there with people who can do contracting with you, marketing, advertising, IT, basically every single thing you can name, they have contracts they can give for things that we all do. Right. (laughs) Um, And and that just like small contracts, like 100K, seven-figure, eight-figure contracts. And so that's how my first company was able to grow through government contracting and then also working with private companies as well. And so I always tell people, like, go where first you have the opportunity to get free resources where your state is essentially through their small business offices incentivizing small business growth. Um, Begin networking with those people. And also at your city level, who's your mayor? Who's the person that's underneath the mayor? Who's the person that has purchasing? Who's been purchasing and runs that office? And they have so much money and they contract so many different ways. And a lot of them also have uh, like minority incentives. Mm. And so I guess like she was winning a lot of what we consider like minority supplier contracts, uh, disadvantaged business owner contracts, which are specifically designated towards like women or people of color, black people. And so like we just have to like look for those type of opportunities as well and not think of them as so, because they can be seen, they can seem so large, right? right. It's so hard to navigate. But a lot of older black people have that I know in businesses have obtained a lot of wealth through government contracting because we, people that look like me, have the authority to sign off on contracts. That's so amazing. Like like you said, I think that's a resource that people overlook often. And I think one of the interesting things that you touched upon is it spans, like, there's contracts for toilet paper. There's contracts for, right. like, <laughs> it goes, like, the breadth of contracts is incredible. So I love that you were able to tap into that. What exactly, was there a prior knowledge? Did you have to get credentials? Was there some, what, what did you have to have in order to obtain the contracts? Yeah, so... Like I said, met a guy named John Matthews um, after like hearing him speak at um, an event, and he basically said, you know, I there's probably a room, 700 people in here, maybe two people will come see me. And so I went and knocked on his door, and he was like, you're the only person out of all the people that came to see, wow. who came to see me. And I was like, oh yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to come see him on Monday, <laughs> and I did. You know, uh, he had shared his contact information, and I set up a meeting with him. And so he began to tell me, he was like, yeah, you can get in this, you can get this certification, um, you can become like Hudson Initiative certified, which essentially is like for certain areas, like now there's opportunity zones, right? 
Um, and so there are all these different opportunities that are incentivized by the state that generally a lot of business owners just don't know about. I mean, there are even like marketing credits. And so say if you needed to like build a website, you could, whoever you wanted to design your website, the state would pay for half of it. Hmm. Uh, business cards, half of it. And all the, per, all the consultants had to do is become, sign one little piece of paper saying that they were certified to be a, a economic development consultant. And then they would pay that consultant half of what you uh, needed for those marketing services. And so people just got, the, your state is untapped. Like people don't realize how many resources they can get out of their state, but then you can begin to understand how to actually go put together proposals and go after larger contracts. Mm-hmm. But then also you have all of these friends and people that are doing all these other great things. You can build teams mm. and go after contracts together. And so that's what, you know, I kind of learned that way. And like Nicole, something that also uh, at least she did was the partnership route. And so maybe your company is small, you're a consultant, find a larger company that does what you want to do and go subcontract for them. Mm. Because a lot of times they're not, they don't, they're not employing all of those people. They're subcontracting some of that work out. And so go make friends with a larger company and you don't have to do the work then. That means they went after the contract, they won the contract, and you're just one of the subcontractors underneath the contract. And so you just get the benefit of them winning. Okay, Major Key. <laughs> All the gems. <laughs> People got to know. That's that's amazing that you were able to tap into that. And that's essentially how you bootstrapped your company. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, no, like, I did not come up in this world. I just had to learn it. <laughs> right. And I mean, and that's important, right? Like, you went, and even though you weren't knowledgeable about it, the process, you went and learned the process. And that's something that I think is totally attainable, right? People yeah. just have to be willing to ask the questions and like you said you were the only person who showed up nobody else did boom you got the the reward for actually doing the work yeah. right and so that's yeah. i think the takeaway is just do the work right do the work just do the work <laughs> yeah so tell us where you think resilient will be in the next five years what's your plan which what's your exit strategy <laughs> oh my god so you know i'm very upfront about um what you're seeking to do and that's to build um, for us, a very impactful company in this space that we feel is very untapped, and that's the um, the middle ground between not only organizations like cities, uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, corporations, but also to leverage some of the technology that we built to connect with channel partners. And so, I a couple years ago. When I was thinking of this idea, I was like, oh, we're going to be like the Salesforce for our era. That's literally and, what I was thinking when you were describing. I was like, this is Salesforce. Yes. yes. And like, you know, like, explain the Salesforce to somebody when they first, people like, huh, what they do? Like, <laughs> we all these gadgets. And so when I came to the era, like, oh, okay. And just in the first quarter of 2019, Salesforce, has, Salesforce and another uh, similar competitor, BlackBot, has acquired almost a billion dollars worth of companies like ours in the space. Wow. And so they're validating our market mm-hmm. uh, that several years ago, people were like, oh, is that even a market? And so <laughs> it's like, okay, let me show y'all. Let me show you. Let me show you. That's awesome. And so very similar to like Carta and what they've done in a space that people are like, is this even a market? You know, and now they became a unicorn like yesterday. Wow. And so I think that for us, it's about, creating these strong channel partners like Salesforce, et cetera, 
um, and look for opportunities, right, uh, so that we can, our product can live on. Also, one thing I'm really passionate about is, like, making other people rich. Mm. Like, one of my mentors, he owns a construction company, and he was like, yeah, over my life, over the past 50 years that he has run his business, he's created 32 millionaires mm. through the company he created. Right. I mean, that's and the value. Exactly. And so, like, for me, it's like when we're able to create wealth for ourselves, it's more likely to stay, like, in our communities. And then we can create more people who can then put back into their community and so on and so forth. And so, like, creating wealth um, in African communities is something that I'm just really passionate about. And so, you know, it's all it all ties in. It all ties in. I love it. She said acquisition, Salesforce, call me. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So how do people find out more about you, Solid Ground? Where do they go? Yeah, so um, Solid Ground, you can definitely, I mean, we have pages on Instagram. Um, The Solid Ground Innovation is SGICares.com. Resilia is Resilia.co. You can always find me on uh, Instagram, just Savitra Wilson, my first and last name. I'm not hard to find. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Love, life, and tech. With Sequoia Blodgett. Just part of our culture. Because balance is real between the swipe culture, mental health, personal growth, career, and just about everything in between. Just keeping it real. It's a lifestyle. Incredible vibes, incredible people. Love, life, and tech. Hey, it was poppin'. We have got digital dating guy back in the building. What is good? I wish I could say everything was good. Really? Wait, wait, what's going on? All right, look, so when I last came on to join you, and I thank you for constantly putting up with me and giving me, you know, tips on different websites to try out Mm -hmm. in this uh, digital dating domain and whatnot, and I was kind of excited about, you know, this new adventure on the world of Hinge. Okay. Okay. And here's my thing. With Hinge, yeah, it's got those quirky little questions that people may post to kind of give you a better idea of who they may be. And that's about the end of it. <laughs> and okay, and when, okay, now when I say this, okay, what do you mean? What I say is, for the most part, people have like two or three things that they'll put up as kind of questions for you to ask. Mm hmm. Basically, kind of, I guess, before you were supposed to pursue them or whatnot, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, okay. So, my questions or my little things that you say about me. Um, my answers for uh-huh. you, if you were to check out my profile, I geek out on, my answer, nerd culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking for someone who wants to lay a foundation of friendship and build upon it a house of love. That's awesome. Um, all I ask is that you be your true, authentic, 100% self at all times. That's cool. I mean, okay. I'm not mad at that. And thank you. Um, but when I go and I look at like, say other people and I come across their little, um, profiles, I'll see things that oftentimes repeat over and over and over again, which makes me think that this site is possibly full of a lot of bots. And I say that because there are different profiles and different questions, but the answers I'm starting to see are so much the same. Now, either 
women are checking out other women's profiles and just copying and posting answers, or these are bots That's that, interesting. that are posting similar answers. You okay. know, you should not um, go out or you should not want to go out on a date with me if you don't like hiking and you like Trump. I've seen that answer like four or five times and I'm like on different people's profiles. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe. Um, and then I see, you know, um, you should go out with me or no, we'll get along great if you have a passport um, and this answer and this answer. And I'm like. They're trying to get flued out. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> like, okay. But then when I see these same answers that are almost seemingly canned answers, I'm like, are they going off of hinge suggestions for answers? And that's just what they're putting? Or are all these real answers? Okay, so for me, that was kind of like a, uh, I don't know. Now, here's something that really threw me. Sure. And the thing that I think possibly threw me the most, seeing people on Hinge that I have seen on every dating site that I've been on. That's normal because people are, they're spreading their seeds, right? Like they don't put all their eggs in one basket. They're on Tinder, they're on Bumble, they're on League. So I I don't think that that is a abnormality. It might not be an abnormality. That's the thing that made me say I'm not liking this. Mm. Because if everywhere I go, I see these same crop of people posting up, maybe because of the information I put in, all the algorithms on all the side are saying, T, these are the people that are right for you. Maybe it could be. Maybe it's just that now that I'm on hand, just like, okay, it's a hint and a half for your ass that you should be choosing one of these women. Okay. Right. And I don't know. I see it differently. So that's kind of a turnoff for hinge. And there is something to me, there's something to an app that doesn't pay attention to the things that I'm looking for. Um, and it's like, did you pay attention to both the age, you know, ethnicity? Do you smoke, drink, yay, nay? Those things that I put that are like really, really like important. Uh-huh. Like I put exclamation points like, yes, this means something to me. And then I get people like, yeah, I spoke a little bit. What? Wait a minute. But so I know there's a, because I've been on Hinge. Mm-hmm. So I know there's a, a variance in terms of like absolutely not to mm-hmm. like, it's important. Or, like, you know. I put things that are absolutely not. And they still show them to and you? And they still show them to me. Interesting. I.e. people that drink and people that smoke weed and cigarettes. When I see drink, sometimes, smoke weed, yes, drugs, no. I'm like, okay, well, two out of four. Like, what is, what is, why would you show me someone who both drinks regularly and smokes weed or cigarettes? Hmm. That's a problem. Right. That to me is I'm like. Do, and I checked every time I see that, I go back, let me check my settings. Yeah, make sure. I was very, very clear on that. Yeah. So maybe they've ignored that. Maybe they're like, hey, T, you know. <laughs> try somebody who try smokes. Try somebody who smokes. <laughs> try somebody who <laughs> likes to, you know, you know, take a little sip of the good stuff. I don't know. I'm just like, <sighs> I, I was, I think, from my expectation, mm-hmm. I was disappointed. That's so interesting. I don't know. I can't I can't yay or nay that. I mean, obviously, everybody has their own perspective in terms of how they get along with the app. I have a 
really close friend who is now getting married from somebody that she met on Hinge. Mm. Um, it's been a year. They met, I think, yeah, going on a year. And then he just proposed last week. Ooh. So, And he's like an established individual. So I think... I don't know. I don't know if it's a perspective thing, like from the guy mm-hmm. to the female perspective uh-huh. or the other way around. I mean, I can't call it, but I do know that there's been some success from Hinge that I've seen, you know, with my own eyes. So I've been on it personally and I haven't connected with anybody, but I just don't think I'm an app person. Okay. I think okay. I've gotten to that point where I'm just like, whoever this person's going to be, I'm going to meet in person. Got you. Um, and I think that's just the quality and the characteristics of my personality. But um, so that could be something for you, too. You might not be an app person. I Maybe. Don't know. I, I, okay, now, okay, look, I don't want to, I'm not dissing Hinch because there were some cuties on there. Right. And for me, okay, now here's another thing. To me, even with all those questions and all those things that you put in there, it's still a swipe app. Yeah. It's it for, yeah. And, and I thought, I for some reason, I went into it thinking that it wasn't, just a swipe because like questions you know be damned like you know you're swiping around when you get to someone who you see you're like oh you know and then you hit the little heart sign and it takes you to to you know saying hey something about the picture that you've liked but i'm like when i tried to like respond to one of the questions or one of the things that like there's one person's like i would like to and then you know know three or four things about you whatever however it goes but when i've tried to like click on their little questions hey i want to respond to that I'm like, that's not a feature. It's just basically you're just putting out, you know, your own questions and answers. And I guess based on that, I'm supposed to react. But then all I'm reacting to and I'm able to respond to is your picture. I'm not necessarily able to engage with your picture and go back and forth conversationally with the things that you've posted as far as conversation starters. So for me, if all I'm going on is clicking on your picture and then just saying something to you about your picture then outside of these three questions that you can put out there to tell someone a little bit more about you, it's basically just we're clicking and liking on pictures and responding to pictures. Wait, though, because don't you, I mean, can't you take the question and and ask that question within, like, the chat? You can ask that question. I guess I could take that question and post, but the, the thing that you're responding to when you like someone uh-huh. or whatever, is their photo. You're not liking a comment. You can. Yeah, you can. No. Wait. I have, I'm on this app and I have been trying to like a comment and respond. The capability is not there. So I think I think you like the comment, but then in the chat you pick up the conversation. I don't think it's like a Facebook where you like it and then you actually resp- respond under it. I think it's more so you like it and then you go into the chat and then you have a conversation about it. Mm. I haven't seen that. I think. I don't remember. Yeah, no. Okay, look. Okay, so here I am. Let's see on this person. Yeah, there 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 is no function right now. This young lady, pet peeves, a man with bad personal hygiene, a big deal breaker and relationship ender, hashtag one hundred or whatever. Mm-hmm. I cannot comment on this. I can't right, respond. Right, right. No, this. you don't. You go into the chat and you say so. I mean, you obviously wouldn't have a conversation based off of that comment, yeah. but like if there was something interesting that they say, then you go into the chat and then you actually have the conversation based off of. So, so they're meant to prompt you, like not right. necessarily like Facebook where mm-hmm. you can like comment under the right. comment, but like prompt you for the conversation. So then you go into the chat and you're like, Hey, I see that you like such and such. And then you have a conversation about it in the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't. I'm not seeing the chat. I'm not seeing the chat function. All I'm wait. Let is, me see it. All I'm seeing is hearts. And look, look at this young lady. Look, let me see. There's nothing on here but hearts. I'm trying to see. So then you go. Okay. Oh, because you didn't like her. Wait. No, but on. that's what I'm saying. Like, if you hit the heart, then you respond. You're liking that picture. Right. Oh, because she. Okay. Here. Okay. So you guys have to match first. So I'm just gonna like her. Okay. So I like the heart. So look. Then you say send the like, right? Yeah, after so I you send can the you can you can add a comment on it. And you say send the like. She has to like you back. Like she and has then to. We, and then we. Then can you guys talk. can chat. Yeah, but I'm saying I wanted to be able to I just send have like. like a little just so you know. crazy question, little question. <laughs> if she, she starts talking to you, it's because I liked her for you. Okay, I mean. <laughs> I will say, hey, no, that was a mistake. <laughs> she was cute. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And here's the thing. I can, now I can't go back and see anything about what she was about. That's true. Because now I'm like, you liked her. And like, I didn't really read anything on her. So I mean, anyway. then you guys can have the conversation in the chat. That's what the chat's for. I think the profile overall is just to give you kind of a synopsis on if you're interested in the person. Then once you like and then they like, then you can have a conversation. You guys can decide where it goes from there. But I think you have to – I think it's in, like, the steps, right? It's not like you can go and, like, see, I can like this comment, right? I can, I'm can. i not going to do it, but I can like that comment, and then they'll see it and be like, oh, so tell me why you are interested in da 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 Let me see. So it's just meant for them Oh, to, so there's so certain comments have a likability. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not all, it's not all comments that have likability. Right. Sometimes it's photos. Sometimes. Oh, okay. So I see what you're talking about. Right. So everyone doesn't have their comments activated for likability. Because huh. like the last person that you just liked, uh-huh. there were no hearts next to any of her oh, comments okay. at all. It's just hearts on her pictures. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Let me mm-hmm. X her out. Um, And this fake profile. What's this? That's all I like. I can't she even looks, see oh, that. She looks like she's far. working. X. Um, oh, you're cute. Okay, so then look and see, like, if you can see their comments and like their comments. Okay, so, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, this comment is dope. Okay, I'm going to see. Yes. Boom. Read it. Uh, Best Halloween costume, Run DMC. I went with B-Girl style with bamboo earrings. Old school hip-hop will always reign supreme. Hey, see? My answer to that is true. Uh Uh-huh. That. And then you can send it. And so then that's going to prompt her to have a conversation. Wait, hold on. Let's see. You are funky, fresh, faux, chef. <laughs> see? And now you can have that conversation. Boom. Like, once she send the like on that comment. Yeah. Once okay, she, that's fresh. See? It's not as bad as you thought. No, no. Well, that ability. For, but see, okay, still this to me is still just like a step above you know, Tinder. I mean, it's it's at you least know. it's a step above, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad at Tinder. I definitely yeah, no, dated, I feel, I feel dated a, okay. a cool person that came off Tinder. But I think every single app has their own personality, and you just kind of kind of find what works for you, if if at all, right? Like for me, like I said earlier, I'm not sure that any of them are actually my steez, but I think that you just try them and see what what makes sense. Mm. So, yeah. So there, there, there are there are some. Okay, look. Uh-huh. All right, so she's cute. Um, now accepting applications for partner in crime. Hey. Must be fluent in smart-ass sarcasm and adult language. Okay. Let's see. 
best way to win me over with witty banter. Uh, hallmark of a good relationship is loyalty, honesty, and an interest in sci-fi fantasy. Wait a minute. Uh, you might have found a match. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say, um, hold on. Let's see. Um, nerd, nerdy face emoji. Come through emoji. Come through with the emoji. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that, you know, now that you have an idea of the functionality, maybe keep trying it and see, you know, what comes of it. But I definitely think that, you know, from my experience and my friend who got engaged literally last week, congratulations to her. I definitely think that there could be some opportunity there. So I would definitely say continue to check it out. Hmm. See, now I'm over here. Um, Did you forget we have a show? Look, no, no, no. Look, I'm <laughs> actually trying out some of these tips and uh, and things that wait, you're Wait, can wrong. we stop? Like, no, okay, but look, here's the thing. Wait, what I how need much for time you, do we have? What I need for you is I need for you to permanently be here to guide me along this path. So when I sign up for an app, we're going to have to have a tutorial. That's fine. You're going to have to have a one-on-one consultation for general app usage. Uh-huh. Because right now I'm finding that this is actually a lot more interesting when you can actually respond to the comments. That's what, when you originally told me about this, I was interested in that. For me, conversation is key. Damn how you look. Eventually, we're both going to be too old for our looks to matter. That's very I true. need to be able to talk to you and engage with you. And for me, that's what I thought was really, really fly about the notion and idea of Hinge. Now that I see the ability to engage, I'm going to give Hinge another shot. Nice. All right. This is the plug. You know who's the plug. It's time to get caught up on the hottest in tech. Keep it locked, you heard. With Sequoia Blodgett. I see you, little mama. There are constantly trends that are changing within industries, and we have to keep abreast of the information because as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as founders, we need to know what's going on all the time, right? And originally when we built up commas, we had the idea of making sure that we were giving you information around marketing, sales, publicity, basically how to get your business off the ground. But as we grew and we iterated, we found that that just wasn't enough. So what we did in order to enhance the services is we have brought you guys the Commas Club. What the Commas Club is, is it's an entrepreneurship community and support system for founders. So think about it like this. When you start a business, you don't have a lot of capital and you go into it. Sometimes you have a co-founder if you're lucky. Many times you're a solo founder and you go through this process trying to build this business and you end up being customer service. You end up being marketing. You end up being all of these titles which don't allow you to focus on the main title in order to grow the business which is the CEO so what we've done is we've given you guys that opportunity through our platform where you can enroll onto the site and essentially we're your team until you can afford to hire one if that sounds like you reach out to us at commasclub.com in order to keep the community exclusive and effective enrollment opens a few times a year so go ahead and join our wait list 